Well, church, welcome to our kickoff of our churchwide adventure called 40 Days of Love. I want to recognize the work of two pastors in particular who have worked hard to put this material together, Tom Holliday and Rick Warren. And I know that churches around the country, churches around the world are benefiting from this adventure. And I believe that this is going to be of great benefit to our church as well. And let me share this with you um, as we begin this adventure together. There have been strategic times while I've been the pastor here that I've really sensed that God was going to do something incredible, something significant in our lives. And at the same time, I've sensed the opposition to that. And that has certainly been the case this week. Um, There have been health issues that I've encountered. Um, We've had some technical issues here on Sunday morning. Um, There have been all kinds of things that really could be obstacles. And whenever that happens, I am reminded that we should get excited about that. We should actually be encouraged about that because God wants to do something significant in your life, in my life, in our families, in our church family. And I believe that is really gonna happen in a significant way. So let me begin by asking you a very important question this morning. Are you ready? Nod your head if you're ready. Okay, here we go. How would you complete this sentence? My number one goal in life is... My number one goal in life is take a moment and really think about that. Because if we're honest, these are some of the responses that might come to mind. My number one goal in life is to be happy. My number one goal in life is to be healthy. My number one goal in life is to be comfortable. My number one goal in life is for people to like me. My number one goal in life is to succeed at my career. My number one goal is to get married, to raise a family. My number one goal is to have fun. My number one goal is to be safe, and the list could go on and on. For example, my number one goal is to retire and finally enjoy my life. So it's really important to think about your honest answer to that question, and here's why. Because your answer shapes your entire life. Your answer to the question, what is your number one goal, has been referred to as your dominant life principle. And your dominant life principle is simply what you value the most. And what you value the most steers all of your decisions. For example, if your dominant life principle is to have fun, then when you choose between several activities, you'll pick the one where you will have the most what? Fun. Yeah, I just want to make sure you're with me this morning. The one that's the most fun. Um, If your dominant life principle is comfort, then you will typically choose the easiest thing to do or You know, the thing that's the most convenient, like staying on the couch and binge watching Netflix, because that's just comfortable. It's easy to do that. If your dominant life principle is safety, then you'll make decisions based on the relative risk of things you could choose to do. If your dominant life principle is to be accepted and liked by other people, then you're going to choose things that will give you the most acceptance and the most approval. And so you can see that it's very important to think through what you value the most. Now, what I'd like to do this morning is this, to have you consider what God says should be your dominant life principle, a thing you should value the most, because the Bible is very clear about this. Look at this verse. It is from 1 Corinthians. It says this, let love be your greatest aim. Let love be your greatest aim. God makes it clear that the number one goal of our life should not be a successful career early retirement, safety, comfort, approval of others, success, none of those things. Our number one goal should be love. In fact, that's why God made us. 
The Bible says that we are made in the image of God. And part of what that means is that we have this capacity to give and to receive love. God has given us the ability to love him and to receive love from him. God's given, given us the capacity to love other people and receive love back from them. And think about this. When you become a Christian, why doesn't God just immediately take you home to heaven? Why doesn't he just take us out of this crazy, messed up, mixed up world? Well, I think one of the big reasons is this. He wants us to learn how to love. How to love him and how to love each other and how to tell other people that that should be the number one goal of their lives as well. Now, how do we know this? How do we know that, that love should be our highest aim, our number one goal? Well, one time, Jesus was asked a question about what matters most, and this is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commands more important than these. Now, Jesus really couldn't be more clear. Life is all about learning to love God and learning to love other people. That's why you're alive. That's why God made you. And it doesn't matter really how much we achieve or how much we acquire or how much success we find in other things. What matters most is learning to love God and learning to love other people. Now, over the years at Boynton Beach Community Church, we've done a number of these 40-day campaigns. How many of you have ever been a part of one of our campaigns? You know, way back we did um, 40 Days of Purpose, we did 40 Days of Community, 40 Days of Transformation. Most recently we did 40 Days of Prayer. But I believe that this 40-day adventure has the potential to have the greatest impact in our church because this is God's greatest purpose and greatest aim for our life, to learn how to love. Now, check a look at this next Bible verse. It says, everything you do must be done with what? With love. Now, what does that include? Yeah, that's not a trick question. It includes everything. I mean, how about this? How about social media? When you post on social media, um, maybe this would be a good verse. Let me go back to it just for a minute. Everything you do must be done with love. Take that verse and tape it to your computer. And every time you write an email, say, oh, did I do that in love? Or maybe tape it to the back of your phone when you send a text. Did I text in love here? How about this, when you're trying to merge onto I-95? You know what I discovered the other day? Not everybody who drives a 995 had the benefit of listening to our recent series on grace. You know, sometimes they just don't show you much grace or much love. How do you respond? Well, we're supposed to respond to everything with what? With love. Um, does this verse apply to how you deal with people who do not vote the way you do? Mm-hmm. Do everything in love. Um, how do you respond to people who may be anti-Christian, even ridicule your faith? You respond with what? With love. The question is, how do you do that, practically speaking? Well, I think it's important and, and very helpful to remember that we use the word love in a lot of different ways. Isn't that true? I mean, we say things like, I love ice cream. I, uh, I love the Florida Seminoles. I don't love the Gators. I don't... I don't love the hurricanes. Some of you do. I don't understand it, but you do. Um, I love my wife. I love my dog. I love my church family. The list goes on and on. We use the word love in so many different ways. But what I want to do this morning is point out five principles from the Bible about love so we can get a better perspective from God's point of view. So here we go. Here's the first Bible basic about love. We love because God loves us. This is a starting point for love because the Bible says this, 
We love because God first loved us. Now sometimes we hear that God is a loving God, and that's certainly true. But it goes deeper than that. God is not just loving, God is love. It's an essential part of his character. And when God made us, he gave us the capacity to love and to be loved. And this is really, really important because before you can talk about learning to love other people, we really need to understand and experience God's love for us. Because this is the heart of the gospel. It really is. When you look at the story in the book, God makes Adam and Eve, why? It's not some giant science experiment. He wants to love them, and he wants them to love him back. I mean, that's the way it was supposed to be. But we know that sin enters the picture. They decide to disobey God, and now their relationship is broken. There's a separation between them and God. That's our story, too. That because of our wrong choices, our sinful choices, we're separated from a God who is holy, a God who is just. And because God's just, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed, and that punishment is designed to be separated forever. So we're in a helpless and hopeless situation, but here's the good news. God still loves us, just as he loved Adam and Eve. And so God has made a way for our relationship to be restored, to be reconciled. One of the most famous verses in the entire Bible is a quote from Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that is the story of redemption. That's the story of our rescue. That God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus, to our world. He lives a perfect life. He's willing to die in our place on a cross so that we can live, so that we can have a relationship with God. If we will just do this, admit our sin, turn to him, believe who he is, follow him. And when you do that, when you become a Christian, you are ushered into an entirely different kind of life, a life that is grounded in love. I mean, think about the cross. Look at the cross just for a minute, if you would. There's the vertical and the horizontal, right? See, the vertical relationship is our relationship with God. Love God with all your heart and mind and strength and soul and love your neighbor, that's the horizontal, as yourself. It's a new kind of life. Now, here's, here's the, the challenge for us. God wants us to know that he loves us with our head, right? Love God with your mind. But God also wants us to feel his love with our hearts, to know on an emotional level that God really, really loves us. And here's why that's so important, because there are so many people who doubt God's love. And maybe if you were honest this morning, that's where you are. Maybe it's, it's what you're struggling with. You, you look at the things that have happened in your life, and you say, if, if God loves me, why did he let this happen? Or you look at things that happen in the lives of people you care about. And you wonder, how could God really love us if he let this happen? Or maybe this has been your experience. You have prayed so hard and so long, and heaven seems silent, and you wonder, God, if you really loved me, if you really cared, wouldn't you answer my prayer? My prayer is that as we walk through these 40 days together, we'll understand better and better God's love. But more than that, that will experience in a more deep way God's unconditional, unselfish, unfailing love. See, many of the challenges that we face in life really go back to the fact that we feel unloved. How many of you have ever dealt with somebody who's judgmental, mean, critical? Have you ever dealt with somebody like that? Do you realize that very often the reason people react that way is they simply have never been loved? They don't really feel valuable. They've never really experienced God's grace. And even for those of us who are Christians, 
there are places in our hearts that need to be healed. A few weeks ago, um, we talked about healing grace and how much God wants to heal the, the places in our hearts that have been damaged by relationships. Some of you have been hurt by your parents. Some of you have been hurt by, by friends, by family, by children. Listen, the thing that heals our hearts is when we actually experience the love of God. And that's what I pray will happen during this adventure. And I hope the words of this Bible verse will be true of us as a church family. We know and rely on the love that God has for us. How much do you know God's love today? How much are you relying on God's love today? And here's why this is so important, because it really is the only way to truly love the people that God's placed in your life. Now here's something we all know. It is relatively easy to love the people who love us, right? But what about the people that don't love us? What about the people who are hard to love? What about the people we may consider impossible to love? How do we love them? There's only one way. To allow God's love to flow through us to them. And we're gonna talk about how to do that in the days ahead. And that brings us to this next principle from the Bible about love, that love is a choice. Love is a choice and a commitment. When the nation of Israel is getting ready to enter the promised land, Moses calls them together because he wants them to renew their covenant relationship with God. And this is what he says. He says, choose to love the Lord your God and commit yourself to him. Why is that? Well, because love is a choice and love is a commitment. Over the years that I've been a pastor, I've had the privilege of um, officiating at many weddings and there's a part in the ceremony where I invite the, the bride and the groom to express their love to each other with wedding vows. And I typically pose this question to the groom, um, do you take this woman to be your wife? And I ask the bride, do you take this man to be your husband? And in all the years that I've been doing weddings, I've never heard one person say this, nope. <laughs> nope, I have changed my mind. Now. It makes sense on your wedding day, on your wedding day, you know that you love the person that you're making vows to. It is your choice to love another person. And, and here's something else. You can't make somebody love you. And we know this. They have to choose to love you. And what do you call it when somebody chooses to love you day after day, week after week, year after year? You call that commitment. You know, some of the most joyful um, occasions that I've ever had the privilege to be a part of are when people in our church family say, hey, Pastor Dudley, um, we've been married for 25 years. Would you do a recommitment ceremony? Or, or 40 years or 50 years. Somebody just asked me that um, recently. Would you do a ceremony? Because we want to recommit ourselves to each other after 50 years of marriage. And I go, wow, I would love to be a part of that. Let me ask you this. When it comes to God's love for you, how long will God's commitment to love you last? Not 25 years or 50 or 100, it is forever, isn't it? Because his love never gives up on us. His love never fails. His love will never end. And here's what we need to understand. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have for each other. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute too, how we talk about love. Have you ever heard this statement, I fell in love? Have you ever said that? Oh man, I fell in love. It's like I was walking along the road and I fell in this ditch. 
I didn't have any choice. I just fell in. I couldn't get out. It just happened to me. Well, here's the reality. Love is not just something that happens to us. It is a choice. Something you choose to do day after day, week after week, year after year. And, you know, just as we saw that verse where it says that we should choose to love God, we can choose to love other people. Or we can choose not to love other people because love is a choice and love is a commitment. And that leads to this next principle from the Bible that love is an action, not just an emotion. Love's an action, not just an emotion. Look at this verse from 1 John chapter 3. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our what? Our actions. Now, what would happen if I just stopped for a minute and I said, okay, church family, I want all of you to be sad right now. I command you to be sad. Would that work? No, some of you would burst out laughing, <laughs> right? You can't make me be sad, right? What if I were to say, I command you to be happy? You can't command an emotion. Well, do you realize that when God commands us to love, he's not commanding us to have an emotion? He's commanding us to do something that will reflect and express love. Now, certainly love involves emotion, but as we saw a few moments ago, love is a choice to act a certain way towards someone regardless of how we may feel emotionally. In fact, acting in love when you don't feel like acting in love, acting in love when, when somebody is not responding to your love, when they don't want to have anything to do with you, when maybe they're even retaliating against you, that is one of the highest forms of love. And if you're a parent, you know this. You have a small child and they wake up in the middle of the night. Do you stay in bed? No, what do you do? You get out of bed. Do you feel like getting out of bed? No. <laughs> but love is more than a feeling. What is it? It's taking action. And this is critically important in marriage. Now, how many of you um, know um, the movie Top Gun, Tom Cruise? All right, there's a, a song in that movie. Actually, he sings it in a bar um, along with, with Goose. And uh, it's a classic love song. Does anybody know what it is? You've lost that. Yeah, you have. And it's what? Gone, gone, gone. There's a story. You'll have to share that with me later. I'd like to hear. Um, but there's a story that I heard about this, uh, this guy. And he goes to his pastor and he says, Pastor, he says, I just don't have feelings for my wife anymore. I don't love her. I think we should get a divorce. And the pastor says, uh, all right, well, let me ask you this. He says, um, you've said that you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, right? The guy says, yeah. And the pastor says, well, that means that, that you've made a commitment to live by the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus clearly said, love one another. And that includes your wife. And he says, well, wait a minute. He says, I just don't feel love toward my wife. Um, I did it first, but we've just drifted apart. We don't spend much time together. And whenever we are together, we argue and we fight. And pastor, you don't know how mean she is to me. And the pastor says, whoa, whoa time out. Um, so from what you're saying, it sounds like you would say that your wife is your enemy. He goes, exactly. Exactly. That's how she treats me. The pastor said, okay, well, Jesus said, love your enemies. Start there. Start there. Friends, love is a choice. It is a commitment. It is an action. And let me say this. It is much easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. And, and here's the thing. Maybe this morning, 
you're married and you're losing that loving feeling. Or maybe it's almost gone. How do you get it back? It's a good question, isn't it? And here's the answer. You act in love and wait for the feelings to follow. And let me point out something, because I could talk about this for, for a long time, and we'll get into this um, further into our study. But there are some verses in the Bible that shine a spotlight on this issue. It's in the book of Revelation. It's where Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, hey, you have left your first love. He's talking about their relationship with him. So what's the answer? What does Jesus say? He says, remember what it was like, repent, and do the things you did at first. Wow. So that's what's going to rekindle my love relationship with Jesus. But you see, that's true in marriage. It's true with other relationships as well. What do you do? Remember what it was like, repent, and do the things you did at first. One of the reasons the feelings go away is we stop doing the things we did at first. And let me say this to married couples. You want to rekindle the fire? Do the things you did at first to express love to each other. And see how God honors that and how the feelings return. And listen, this is so important. When you don't feel like loving someone, it is a test of your faith. It's a test of your faith. See, God gave us emotions, and emotions are good, and emotions are powerful. But when you're a Christian, you don't just live by your feelings. You live by faith. That's what the scripture says. We live by faith and not just by sight. So when you love somebody, even though they're not responding to you in love, when you love somebody, even when they ignore you or retaliate against you, you are living and you are loving by faith. And when you do that, it pleases God and brings joy to his heart. So during this 40-day adventure, um, I'm going to point out some very practical ways that we can express love because... You do not learn how to love by listening to me speak to you on Sunday morning. You don't learn how to love by just going to a small group or even reading a really, really good book. You learn to love by loving, by doing things that express love. And that brings us to this next biblical principle about love. Love's a skill. It's a skill. You can develop the skill of loving. You can improve the skill of loving. Look at this verse, again from 1 John. Dear friends, let us... Practice loving each other. For love comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that they are the children of God, and they are getting to know Him better. Now, here's a question that I believe some of you know the answer to, especially if you're from the musical world. Are you ready? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Say it real loud. Yeah, practice. (laughs) How do you learn to love God and love other people? Exactly, practice, practice. And during the next 40 days, I want to encourage us all to take the words of Jesus and put them into practice in our lives. Remember what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock and the storms hit, but that house didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. That's what happens when you take the words of Jesus and put them into practice. It makes your life and your relationships strong. And that brings us to this fifth thing the Bible teaches about love. Love is a habit. It is a habit. Here's a verse from Hebrews that says, continue, continue to love each other with true Christian love. So your character is determined by your habits. The things that you do over and over again. And you cannot be, listen carefully, you cannot be a loving person unless you love others habitually. 
Now, again, it's relatively easy to love people who love you. And Jesus said, hey, if you love the people who love you, what credit is that? See, you may think that you're a loving person because you love people who love you, but is it your habit to love people who are different from you? Is that your habit? Is it your habit to love people who are really, really hard to love? Because that's what God wants you to do. And when you do that over and over again, it shapes your character. And as you love people over and over again who are hard to love, who are different from you, you're becoming more like who? More like Jesus. You're developing Christ-like character. And, and again, you can't claim to be a loving person unless you do this as a habit, as a way of life. You know, if I tell my wife, hey, listen, honey, I love you and I will be faithful to you six days a week. That's not gonna fly, is it? I don't think so, because I'm not really being faithful. I, honey, I love you, I'll be, I'll be truthful 95% of the time. No. Here's the thing, we can't love perfectly, we know that, God can. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to love skillfully and consistently and he has promised to help us do that. And so we have to rely on him. And by the way, do you know how long it takes to develop a new habit? Research says six weeks, which is about how many days? Yeah, 40 days. So we have this opportunity to develop new habits when it comes to loving God and loving others. And church, I wanna make this really practical, so I want to encourage you to do this, to evaluate where you are right now when it comes to relationships so that you can see the progress that you are making over the next 40 days. Check out this Bible verse from 2 Corinthians. It says this, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. So, if you'll take a look, there's a card in your bulletin, and at the top it says assessing your relationships. And what I'd like to do is to first say this. Um, my goal in giving you this, this exercise is not to make you feel bad, because it could. I mean, we all struggle when it comes to relationships and loving other people. Um, 40 days of love could quickly become 40 days of guilt, and that is not our purpose here. Our goal is to see where we are and where God wants us to be, to measure our improvement and our growth in loving other people. And so here's something else. You can see some lines there. As you work through this, it's important to be specific, to write down the names of people um, because if you don't do that, you're really not gonna be able to benefit from what we're doing. And let me say this. We're not gonna finish this right now. This is just to walk you through this. I wanna encourage you, though, to do this to take this card and finish it today and use that as a reference point as we go forward for the next 40 days. So let me just walk you through this. Um, first relationship has to do with parents. And you can see that you can rate that as poor, as great, somewhere in between. Now, some of you may say, well, my parents are no longer living. Well, my parents are no longer living. My wife's parents are no longer living. But I know this, that we can still experience a change in how we think about our parents and in our attitude toward them. And it could be that God wants to do some work in your heart when it comes to your parents who are no longer living, as well as those who are alive. Um, another category, marriage prospects. Um, if you're somebody who um, wants to get married or remarried, uh, marriage is a good thing, it's God's idea. Um, 
But how are your prospects? What do those relationships look like? How could you be praying for God to lead you in that area of your life? And then if you're married, how's it going? How's your relationship with your husband or your wife? Maybe if you're honest, you'd say it's on life support right now. Or maybe it's, it's just kind of limping along or maybe it's, it's okay, but um, it's not doing that well. Or maybe you're thinking, wow, it's really good. Wherever you are in your marriage relationship today, I hope, I pray, and I'm praying this for me and Chris, that it will improve our relationship as we learn to love each other the way that Jesus loves us. And then there's other categories. How about a relative? Um, and again, you know, it could be a, a person in your immediate family or an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent. You know, think about who that is. Who do you want to improve a relationship with? A coworker? Um, for many of us, there's all kinds of relational complexities where we work. Is there somebody that you really want to love better at work? Or how about a neighbor? How about a neighbor? Um, Jesus said that we're supposed to love how many of our neighbors? Isn't that tough? <laughs> Maybe you're thinking, yeah, Jesus, but you don't know this neighbor. Man, if you had this neighbor, are you kidding me? I'll show you some love. Um, we need to pray that Jesus would help us love our neighbors. So if there's a neighbor that you really need to love, write down their name and ask God to help you do that. Um, here's another one. Somebody different or difficult in your life. Somebody difficult or different. And here's the thing. You know, don't be afraid to put a one. Really. Because, listen, God can work in even the most difficult situations. And then the last category is, is one that I think is important, children. Um, this is an area that um, is important for so many people, especially for people with blended families um, or adult children. And here's the reality. Um, we can't make people love us. We can't make them respond the way we want them to. But we can pray that God would change their heart. And as we pray that God would change their heart, we need to pray that God would change our heart. And maybe that's the most important work that God's gonna do in these next 40 days. So, so take a look at that card and I encourage you to fill that out. And let me just do this um, real quickly to wrap things up. These are some ways um, in the next 40 days that we can strengthen and improve our relationships. Here's the first. Make a commitment to become a more loving person. Make a commitment. Now we know this, that our lives are shaped by the commitments that we make and the commitments that we keep. And if you look at this commitment card that's been in your, your program the last couple of weeks, I really, really want you to consider this because listen, if you're serious about wanting to become a more loving person, and I'll tell you this, I'm really serious. I really want to engage fully in this 40-day adventure because I want God to change my heart. I hope that's true of you. Then we've got to make some commitments. And the first commitment is to read the devotional material. There's a book written by Tom Holliday. It's called The Relationship Principles of Jesus. These are available in the lobby. And you can start reading that next Sunday. That'll get us in sync with the 40 days. There's another book. Um, this is 40 Days of Love. This is a companion book for our small group study. And again, I encourage you to get into a small group. And uh, the third thing is to be here on Sundays so that we can learn together how God wants us to love. The next thing is this, and this is on your outline. Learn how Jesus loves and follow his example. Jesus is our model for what relationships should look like, but he's more than our model. Jesus is our source. How many of you need more patience with your relationships, more courage, more strength? We need all those things. Where does that come from? It comes from Jesus. So Jesus 
is our model and our source. Here's another thing we need to do, practice the skills. You know, so many commands in the Bible about each other, love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. What do you need to, to actually do that? One another. So you can't sit behind your computer screen all day long and learn how to love. You have to practice the skills. And then here's the fourth, the fourth thing, develop the habits, the habits, habits of the heart. And I'm really excited because I really believe that as we do this, God's gonna change us, change our relationships, change our church. And then church, here's the last thing. This is so important. Trust God to help you. Love him and love others. You know, so many times in life when we're trying to change, we're trying to improve, we think, if I try really, really hard, it'll happen. I can tell you this, if you try really, really hard to love, it's not gonna happen because you need God. You need his grace, you need his strength, you need his wisdom. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And you may think to yourself, God, I can't do that. You're right, you can't, and I can't. We will fail miserably. So what we have to do is say, God, I need you. God, change my heart. God, fill me with your love and your grace so I can take that love and grace and give it to the other people that you've placed in my life. Let me close with a story that I read this week that I think is so compelling and encouraging about loving each other. It's a story about a pastor. His name is is Juan Ortiz. Um, And one Sunday morning, he was getting ready to speak, and he was walking up to the front, and he said that he had this impression that God was talking to him in his mind, and he said that God said, Juan, and he said, yes, Lord. And God said, how many times have you preached this passage in this church? I don't know, Lord, maybe a dozen times. And just as he was about to step up and speak, he said, I sense God saying this to me, did any of those sermons do any good? Well, at that point, Pastor Juan decided that something had to change, and he'd worked really, really hard on this sermon. I mean, he had spent hours trying to find the right stories and the right illustrations, and anyway, he just took his notes and put them to the side. And then he looked out over the congregation, and he saw the people in that church that he had led to Christ. And he saw the people that he had counseled. And he saw the the people that had called him at two o'clock in the morning because their lives were falling apart. And he saw the people that for years and years he had taught and he had loved. And so he did this. He just looked at them and very slowly and very deliberately said three words. Love one another. Then he sat down. Well, at that point, people in the church didn't know what to do because this had never happened before. And after several uncomfortable minutes had passed, Pastor Juan got up, walked to the front, and once again said the same three words, love one another. And once more, the people in the church sat in motionless silence. And then a little bit later, Pastor Juan got up for the last time, said, church, I'm really, really serious. Love one another another and then he sat down a few minutes later a man stood up and said I think I know what Pastor Juan wants me to do Um, and he turned to the the guy next to him he said Pastor Juan wants me to love you but sir I don't even know your name and so he asked the man who was sitting next to him to to tell him his name and the names of his wife and his kids and they started talking and, and trying to figure out how to express love to each other. And then another person stood up and said, I know what Pastor Juan's asking me to do. He wants me to love Carlos, a man who was sitting three rows in front of him. 
He said, but how can I love Carlos when I have a grudge against him? So the man got up out of his seat and approached Carlos and asked for his forgiveness and prayed with him. And when that happened, the floodgates opened. And people all over the church just stood up and started talking to each other and trying to figure out how they could express love to each other. And that Sunday, amazing things happened. There was a couple who had been um, in town because their daughter had a medical condition. They didn't have enough money to get home. Somebody said, hey, I'll buy you a ticket. There was another young man who was looking for a job and, and somebody said, oh, here's, here's a guy that just told me he's hiring. Maybe the two of you could figure this out together. And the, the young man got a new job that Sunday. Well, all of these displays of love were taking place. There sat Pastor Juan praying, thanking God that this was the most powerful sermon he had ever preached. And that's because people had taken seriously what Jesus said. Love one another the way that I have loved you. Let's pray. God, help us to take that seriously too. Help us to take those words and put them into practice even when they're hard. And God, I thank you um, so very, very much for the love that that flows through this church. Because God, it comes from your heart through these people to so many others. God, I thank you personally for the love that I've received from the people in my church family. God, I don't know what I'd do without my church family and the love that they express to me. And God, I know that's the story of so many people here. So God, thank you for that. But Lord, I wanna ask you this too. Help us grow in our ability, our skill to love you and to love each other. God, I pray that that Jesus will not only be our model, because he loves perfectly, I pray that he'll be our source. And Lord Jesus, show us how to be patient, how to be kind. Lord, show us how to keep no record of wrongs. Help us to, to have the kind of love for each other that you have for us. And God, today, if there's somebody here that has never made that commitment, that choice to follow Jesus, I pray today that that would change. I pray that that person would realize, man, I didn't know how much God loved me. Father, I pray that they would just turn their life over to you, just admitting that they're a sinner and they need a savior. Because God, when we do that, you run to meet us and you do change our lives. And Jesus, thank you so much that you showed us the way, the way to live, the way to love. Thank you for showing us that we can have a new life, a life of loving our Father and loving each other, loving you. And Lord Jesus, thank you for telling us the truth, the truth about who you are and who we are and how we can change and how we can grow. And so, Father, as we bring this service to an end, I pray that it's a new beginning, a new day, a new horizon with our eyes fixed on you, learning how to live and learning how to love from Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church.